Well, hello there. I'm Reed McCall. I'm your extremely good-looking ordinary guy who is uh, here with Essential Dynamics guru and uh, my personal favorite man, Derek Hudson. Derek, how are you? Hey, Reed. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm just good-looking today. I'm just, you know, kind of just just chilling is what they say. And that's the uh, reason why ha we have to never go on YouTube. That's right. We can never be live on that. But uh, until until they can see me, I'm the very handsome guy. Now, Derek, in our last uh, Essential Dynamics episode, we discussed uh, the virtues of being a good leader. And one of the things you said was that uh, the most effective way of being a good leader was to work on being a good person. That's really hit me. I have thought about that a lot, and I want to go into examples of that. You, uh, you know that in the archetypical uh, story, or from Greek myth onward, there's always a hero, and then there's uh, who is the protagonist, and then there's uh, a villain who is the antagonist. Now, that's kind of intriguing to me right now in context of what we're speaking in essential dynamics, because uh, there are many leaders who are not good people. I made that point in the last episode. I'd like to kind of elaborate on it now. Even bond villains have quite a lot of people helping them. Uh, and that, that means that they're leaders too. Uh, what do you think about that, of uh, somebody with a virtuous or, or good leadership style that is based on making everybody who works with him better versus the uh, villainous uh, person who also thinks he's doing the right thing but uh, leads without care for the consequences to the people he leads. Well, there's, there's a lot in that, Reed. So uh, let's talk about, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, so catch me, but mm -hmm. um, the different kinds of, you know, sort of evil leadership. One of them would be where there's just a bad person trying to do a bad thing and they're getting people to, uh, to you know, help them do it. And there's many examples in history of, of that it's generally for you know power and oppression and you know wealth and stuff like that but or, there's a or leading for his own purposes uh having wanting other people to do something in order for his personal gain sure and then there's uh, another way where the leader convinces themselves that it's good right um but it's not um and maybe maybe a third version of this is maybe there is even uh a sincere, you know, positive objective, but the means are bad. They're oppressive and manipulative to the people that you're bringing along. Um, so if you put all that together, you can be a quote, bad leader or quote, evil leader. If you're trying to accomplish an evil purpose or you're trying to accomplish a purpose in an evil way. And um, like I said, I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because I think, you know, my assumption about essential dynamics and life in general is uh, let's look to the positive. And when I say there's a quest, the quest is to make the world better. 
I appreciate that, Derek. And, yeah. I, and that's part of the reason I'm intrigued by your uh, philosophy or perspective. I do want to just elaborate a little bit more because I don't want to be accused of, uh, or I don't want essential dynamics to be accused of a Pollyanna or Mary Poppins uh, kind of outlook that all is well with the world. I, uh, I think there is some merit in looking at, uh, if we're staying in fiction, let's look at Les Miserables, uh, the hero of that story, uh, Jean Valjean, is introduced as a thief. He, uh, he steals some bread for his family to eat in uh, oppressive situations in, in France. So he is pursued by the law. And in this case, the law is represented by Javert. Now Javert, throughout the book, is a letter of the law guy. And we presume a good person because of it. He is unsparing in his application of the law. Uh, but the hero of the book is Valjean, who becomes a leader because he is striving to become a better person and improve the lives of those people around him. Uh, are we following so far? Oh, is that, Reed, that's just a fantastic example. Um, powerful, powerful story, and that's, I think, why it's resonated so well, even though um, it's a really, really, really long book. Yeah, <laughs> and there's fully 140 pages, I've read it, of sewer Yes, that's, I was, I was just going to talk about that. I, I sat, I sat on the beach in Maui a few years ago, reading about Paris's sewer system, <laughs> but, but, but to, to your point, um, you know, we're quick to judge other people and all of us do bad things. And I suppose, you know, you might say that stealing bread is bad. Um, but you know, let's step back and look at the character of people and how they can grow and change. And Valjean became, became this completely selfless person who dedicated his life to uh, taking care of uh, Cosette. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And others. He was not, you know, he was the mayor of a town. That's, I mean, part of the reason Javert was able to follow him is because he followed a, a, a trail of good acts. Good, good acts, which, you know, like, you know, employed people and created prosperity and wealth all over the place. It's a good, good person, good leader with, uh, uh, chased by, uh, a resolute man who is convinced of his own righteousness. Right. Now that's what intrigues me because Valger, Valger, Javert and Valjean both must have thought they were doing the right thing. Well, you know, Javert did have his, his crisis moment. Sure. When, when he, he realized to just hang on, you know, <laughs> Valjean saved my life. Yeah. He didn't he have to. Right. But he couldn't reconcile that. And so he, he couldn't reconcile his quarry being a good person. Well, you know, and I think about this idea of the character ethic that we talked about. And uh, in my mind, it's not certainly not blind compliance. Um, it's, it's not, you know, picking a, a code and sticking to the code, you know, regardless, you know, it really is becoming uh, a person of 
you know, maybe sensitive sensitivity to one's own conscience or something like that. And, and we need to grow and progress and, you know, and how we understand the world and how we think about other people. And Valjean clearly did that. And it was, you know, his character development is pretty profound mm-hmm. in the book. And Javert was stuck on one thing. So my question to you then, from the lens of essential dynamics, what did, Val- what did, ja- let me think, I'm, who am I talking about? I'm talking <laughs> about Javert. Who, what did Javert do wrong? So let's, let's just drop down to the, the people side. Yeah. Okay. So Javert's uh, loyalty was to the law of France. You know, put it that way, right? Um, And he had the opportunity to get to know Valjean as he chased him around France for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I hope that we always do when we think through the points of essential dynamics is is to look at individuals as people who have their own capacity, their own personality, their own individuality. And that we try to understand people from where they're coming from. And if, you know, I mean, Javert was in a system, which maybe wasn't, uh, wasn't a progressive uh, corrections penal system or whatever, but what you would look at if you were the person who was trying to right the wrong is to say, why did Valjean do what he did? What is he, uh, what does he learn from it? And, you know, will he pay me for the bread now if I catch up with him? <laughs> now that's that's a good point it's uh perhaps javert's blindness in not being able to see that the punishment was outsized the crime particularly after years of chasing uh but it, it's an interesting thought isn't it i mean what what does the evil person do wrong if the evil person is committed to his or her uh philosophy you know you know i i think if if you put the people first um then you can't get in too much trouble and i don't mean license i don't mean you know anything goes i don't like but if you think about you know the group and the individual's uh value and potential to progress um then that's that's real leadership is you know, picking someone up from wherever they are, respecting their own um, individual agency and, you know, supporting them. So I don't know that the prison system is set up to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do rely on our institutions. So I don't know that we should be quick to condemn Javert, but he in himself got to a point where he said, I can't, I don't understand how I can be the, the good guy and the bad guy at the same time. Yeah, it, it was it, it it ended his life that that perspective. But Derek, I love this what you're saying because what I considered Javert in our lens to be to have his quest. Boy, he knew his quest. He had purpose, and uh, I guess what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that his inability to understand people or to put any humanity into his quest is what did him in. Sure. Sure. Now Reed, um, I really appreciate this because 
probably my favorite song to sing along with in all of musical theater is Stars. Oh, really? Which, which Javert sings. And the, one of the reasons, I mean, it's a great song, but one of the reasons I really like it is it's like one of the few that's in my limited range. Yeah, it has three notes. Yeah, and they're uh, low, and they're low, right? <laughs> and, and so um, I'm going to sing it for you now. No, 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 no. thank you very much. Thank you. We've gone <laughs> oh, too far with this okay. episode. Yeah, we have but... problems with the Zoom. It's getting cut off. Oops, oops. Okay, okay. <laughs> 45 minutes later, I'm back. I did it a bunch of times in the shower. I'm good. Uh, okay, good. Okay. Well, good. Derek, I, you remind me of uh, another mythical, to take another mythical, uh, character and yet it's a quote that resonates with all of us and especially with this central dynamics is uh with great power comes great responsibility and that's uh that's the first spider-man trilogy i i hope they will use it again because it was very effective but uh of course that's true isn't it with great power comes great responsibility hey, and that is true of any leader can i tell an unexpected story uh, no, uh, it's my show. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm kidding. Okay. Okay. So, so here's here's the story. So, um, a few years ago, um, I was appointed the interim CEO of Edmonton Economic Development. Yes. Our CEO had left. I was uh, one of the executives on the team, and I was appointed as the interim CEO. Um, I put my hand up because I thought I could help, kind of keep things together while things got sorted out. Um, that appointment was April 1st. On April 14th, I was, uh, it was a Saturday night, I was driving, cutting through downtown to go see my son sing in a choir. And uh, somebody who was texting instead of um, operating a vehicle went through a red light, red light hit three cars, including mine, spun mine around, airbag went off, totaled my car. Um, I was fine. Um, but you know, it's kind of unsettling. Of course it is. And, uh, it took me a couple hours to get things sorted out and Tamaris, you know, missed the concert and came and picked me up. We were on our way home and I got a phone call from our, uh, VP in charge of human resources to say that, um, one of the workers at the convention center was found in a back hallway, unresponsive. Oh boy. And, um, she had been resuscitated and taken to the hospital. Um, and it's like, you know, so like nine o'clock at night, like, what do you do? Um, so the next day, the next morning I was, I went to a church committee meeting and, um, or I was headed for one. And anyway, I, I ended up going to the hospital. Um, and I met with this, she this employee or to, went to the yeah, and she, and she was in a coma in a, in a induced coma because they were worried. They didn't know how long she'd not been breathing. Uh, and so a couple of her relatives were there. Um, and so I tried to provide a little comfort to them, but this is the weight of this was just overwhelming on me. Did you um, know this person? I, I didn't know her. Um, and, uh, so, so I went and saw them and, you know, make sure things were okay, made some arrangements to take care of the family because they were from Northern Alberta and of humble means and, you know, made sure that they were set up okay. Um, got back to, uh, to my, my meeting and got another phone call that there was um, 
a suspicious package that had been found at the loading dock at the same convention center. This is two weeks after your appointment. Right. And <laughs> the general manager of the convention center, who would have been the point man on this kind of uh, emergency, was uh, was away. And so I drove downtown and sat with uh, the security person and the, and the next senior person while the, uh, the bomb squad did its thing. And so then on Monday, we're in the office and we're worried about this woman who's in the hospital and she's still in a coma. And then we get word that one of our young convention center employees um, was, uh, was killed in a hit and run car accident Sunday night. And she was like 17 years old. And that, that one hit the news because it was a drunk driver and, and uh, you know, that story's been out there. Uh, so this all happened in, you know, my car accident was like an inconvenience at this point. And we had this, uh, just this tremendous weight of all these people that we were worried about. Uh, and I can tell you, there's no glamour in being the CEO when you've got hundreds of people that, you know, you're, you care about the life of one person and then well, you've lost one person. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, and so I don't know exactly where I'm going with other than I, there's a, there's a tremendous sense of responsibility, like yeah. just a, just an overwhelming sense of responsibility. And I can tell you when it all kind of came together, we felt like we were going to be okay. So I had to speak at a staff meeting about two days later, like it was already scheduled. And, um, so we're still, this woman's still in the hospital and we're worried about her. And, uh, it was actually kind of cool because, um, one of my, one of my great colleagues there, um, who's responsible for communications, you know, he said, uh, I said, you know, any advice on what I say? And he said, well, Derek, he said, you know, your, your first inclination is, is to go to your faith. Mm-hmm. And he says, and I know you're resisting that. He says, but that's the way you got to go. You'll know when to stop, given that it's a corporate environment and it's you know, not a yes, church that's service. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I said what I felt I could say to try and bring some comfort to people. I talked about love. Mm-hmm. And I talked about when you love people, <laughs> the inevitable result is that you feel pain when they hurt. Wow, that's rare in a business environment to to even reference the word love. And so, so because we're we're all hurting here, that's just a sign that we're doing it right. Um, and then these three wonderful women that I work with, accompanied by a fourth on the piano, sang "Stand by Me." Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> and melted us all into puddles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, you know, and lots of stuff happened after that in different ways and, you know, motions and strategies and board resolutions and all kinds of stuff. But in my mind, that experience for me was just like demonstrating the weight of leadership. And the only way to bear that, I think, is to have done some work on your character before you have to step into that. I agree. I think that's very wise. I remember when I was, uh, well, this is too long a story to get into, but I was an artistic director in a theater in the States and uh, uh, 
the Saturday before we were to open a show, uh, we were doing our tech rehearsal and one of the actors, one of the main actors, uh, dropped dead on the stage in rehearsal. Oh my goodness, Reed. Yeah. Um, and that immediately put us into a different perspective. There is an old adage in my business that the show must go on. And I had to contradict it and say, that's ridiculous. Uh, this show was canceled. And uh, I had to find something new to put in its place. But first, we have to deal with the people yeah, and the, the cast and uh, the, the inevitable news. And uh, I remember that as one of the great tests of my own life, that particular episode. And so I wasn't, uh, it wasn't about me, of course. Well, Reed, um, just tell me a little bit more about where you got, what you drew from to do what you needed to do in that situation. I made a list of all the things that needed to be done. First, I spoke to the cast and uh, who were rattled. I mean, it happened right in front of them. And uh, there were some updates because he wasn't declared dead until he was actually with the paramedics in the in the in the uh, ambulance going to the hospital. And we all hoped that it would uh, be different news, you know. But there was obviously no point in opening a show just because we had it on the schedule. Even if we were in financial straits, which we were, even if we had a large uh, advance of people wanting to see that particular show with these particular people, well, I'm sorry. Sometimes you can't get what you want. And uh, that was true for all of us. None, none of us wanted this conclusion uh, that happened. In addition, the, uh, the person that died was the director's partner. So it was, there were a lot of levels that we had to negotiate. And uh, I had a lot of pressure from my board. Uh, okay, how are we going to survive this financially? And, uh, and there were a lot of things to deal with. So we met that day looking for a lot of uh, solutions. But like any other challenge that you're discussing, we go on and we, uh, with care for the people. I hope that's what I'm what I'm gleaning from your story is uh, is appropriate for the uh, is the appropriate lesson because I'm learning so much about how a good leadership really reflects how you treated people and uh, how I really I I treasure my time as that particular theater's artistic director as difficult as it was because I met good people who, that means a lot to me. So I appreciate well, you sharing your stories. Well, we'll read it. It, it does, it does uh, emphasize the point then that there's no technique, there's no personality, there's no um, bad motives or bad way of manipulating people that can get you through one of those things. It all has to come from being a good person who loves people. That's it. 
That's our, I think that's, so. That's and our I message. So appreciate, I'm I'm a little bit astonished and I'm and very grateful that you use the word love in a business perspective. I think that's remarkable. You know, uh, this essential dynamics is not so much a philosophy as it is a per- perspective. I think of it as glasses, something I'm looking, I put on, I see things better because of, of what you've been able to outline. So I thank you for your work, Derek Hudson. Where can people reach you? DerekHudson.ca is the best way to find me. Great. I hope that they will, and I hope that they will uh, tell us what we uh, tell us what they think of our work here on uh, the podcast, and also what they think of the uh, things that we're, we're talking about. And uh, on behalf of Derek Hudson, my name is Reed McCollum, and our terrific engineer is Bryn Griffiths. And until next time, consider your quest. Mm-hmm.